Hey, Spritzers. Welcome to The Spritz with Carl and Jamie, where we will give you a spritz of life and fun. Fashion, food, travel, whatever's on our minds. Let's get into it. Welcome back, Spritzers. We're here with Chef Arlene Stewart. Chef extraordinaire who's left the kitchen to join us today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Carl, I know that you are excited to talk about something other than fashion this week since you just finished with Fashion Week. Oh, my God. It was so chaotic, but fun and crazy. I saw you and you were running around like a chicken with your head cut off. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did. But I'm so happy to be here because now I can finally eat. (laughs) Which leads us into our amuse-bouche. And by having the fabulous Arlene here, she has brought us an amuse-bouche for today. Arlene, what do you have? I was in Raleigh, Durham this weekend, and I just had such a great time. I ate so well, and I was inspired. So I made some grilled shrimp for you today with a saffron aioli. I hope you enjoy. Oh, my goodness. And you know, that's my hometown. I went to this fabulous place called True Flavors, and I had fried alligator with biscuits. Wow. You know you get good biscuits in North Carolina. I didn't mm. know you get good alligator in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> this was so good. I suggest everybody goes and tried it. They change the menu all the time, so you will find alligator on the menu. It just may be prepared differently, mm-hmm. but got to meet the chef. Really awesome. It's Black-owned business, and he was inspired by all of the diners that he had gone to and worked to and just decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to bring this to North Carolina, and he's done an excellent job. The place is really pretty, too. Now, what are those lovely shrimps sitting on, Arlene? Oh, just some dry lemon just for presentation. Oh, it's lovely. Mm. So pretty. It is all about what it looks like. Spritzers, I'm sorry you're not here because it is so yummy and it looks beautiful. So you're going to need to follow Chef Arlene. We'll give you all of the information via Instagram. And Facebook. Come on, follow me. Come on, Arlene, don't you want a shrimp? I'm allergic. (laughs) <laughs> Are you allergic to shrimp? How do you cook with shrimp that's allergic? Um, like, you have to just wash your hands 10,000 times. Yeah, but you know what's really interesting? It's depending on where the shrimp is from. Mm-hmm. If it's from Asia, I can't. I'm allergic to it. But if it's from the Mediterranean, I'm fine. It depends on how it's processed. Now I don't even risk it. I've mm-hmm. had too many. I mean, I don't have my EpiPen on me right now, but I should be walking with an EpiPen. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, especially now. Please don't fall out on me. No, I'm, I'm not. not good in emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know your strengths, right? Mm-hmm. Arlene, that shrimp with that saffron aioli. I said you spent a lot of money on us with the saffron here. We appreciate that. Uh, I'm still smacking. Can we put that recipe on our Facebook and Instagram? Of course. Totally. I love sharing recipes. Well, that's fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about how did you get into being a chef? Uh, I like taking care of people. My first passion actually is fashion. Ah. Just like Carl. So I went to FIT and I love designing. And then I was like, how do I want to spend the rest of my days? Do I see myself doing this long term? And I'm like, what do you really love? And I really love feeding people. And I really feel like cooking. I get to express all of me, all of my skills, all of our talent. It really takes all of your senses to be an excellent cook. And I get to create every day. I know you get to do a lot of research at great restaurants, too. I do. I get to eat well. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a dream job for me. We need to revisit that. Yeah. So, Arlene, your accent is clearly not North Carolina or New York. Where are you from? I am originally from Trinidad and Tobago. So, 
Caribbean roots. And that's one of the things that I love, uh, especially being from Trinidad. We are such a diverse culture of Indian, Chinese, Spanish, African. And I get to include all of that in my food, plus from just traveling around the world and just being inspired by a lot of other cultures. So I try to implement that as best as I can. So, for example, the saffron from the Middle East or Asia and being able to make a great sauce out of that. And that's such a versatile sauce. So once you've gotten that down, you can use that with any type of fish or chicken that you like. Fabulous. I love. I'm still smacking from the shrimp. It's so good. Thank you so much. I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite childhood memory of a dish or an amazing food that someone in your family has prepared for you that you still enjoy and love until this day? That will be dal, bat, and bhaji. What <laughs> I know. is that? I think I know what dal is, lentils. Yes, exactly. So again, as I mentioned to you, we're a very strong Indian community as well. So growing up as a child on Tuesdays, for some reason, my grandmother would make dal, which is, as you said, split peas. And she'll make bhaji, which is spinach, and bat, which is rice. And that was the, one of the things that I would literally, I'm not exaggerating, lick my plate. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, it is still one of the things that bring me comfort. But I love lentils and just all of the spices that's in the dal and you chunk it and which is, you know, the preparation of the garlic and the onion and the jeera. And you add some coconut milk in that. And it's just like you want to just lather it all over your body and lick yourself. Oh, <laughs> or sounds, someone else. Sounds a little porno, <laughs> pornographic. <laughs> food is. I mean, it is. I mean, food is erotic. You know, it, you can definitely have erotic moments mm-hmm. from an experience of putting something in your mouth and just the places that it takes you and, you know, just sometimes it can make you really, really hot depending on the spice profile and and the flavors. And sometimes, you know, it can cool you down. I'm thinking about just cucumber and mint and basil, those sorts of flavors. So food does have that erotic feeling. Well, it sounds like it has a psychological component, too. If I'm feeling hot tempered, I should eat some cool cucumber, (laughs) maybe on a daily basis. (laughs) I mean, like after that explanation, I will never eat food the same way again. That is why we should take our time. Right. That's why we should eat it slowly. That's why we need to say thank you. And that's why we need to praise the hands that prepare it. For sure. And the ground it came from and just the steps it took before it got to your plate. That's a whole new perspective. Jesus. Oof. I mean, I just we just had a sermon <laughs> about food. I took you to church. You took me to <laughs> church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Well, Arlene, I know that you are a private chef. So what is your day like? Run, run, run. (laughs) I do have real kitchen experience. I worked in fine dining here in New York City, and I got the opportunity to work in Europe as well. And the crossover from going from taking my restaurant skills into a private sector or working one-on-one, that's the thing that's different, is that I have a direct connection with the person that I'm preparing for. And also, I get a lot more creative because I have a different budget. Whereas in the restaurant, you're preparing whatever the chef has put forth, his creative idea or her creative idea for that brand. And here I get to create specifically just for that person and what their palate may be or what their goals are. So a lot of my clients may be more health conscious. So it's really cost me to train myself to be aware of, okay, 
What do you need to help you achieve your goals? Whereas in the restaurant, you're not doing that. I'm just giving pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just creating the things that I love to eat or I want to feed others. But here I'm specifically thinking about the person I'm preparing for. And do you prepare for individuals or families or both? Both. Anybody that pays me, honey. Anybody, <laughs> anybody that pays. I have another question, kind of like a very interesting question with how being a chef and the world of restaurants and cuisine have become so popular in media. What do you think about shows like Iron Chef and cooking shows and, and things like that? I want to just pick your brain about it. It's entertainment. Uh-huh. It is not the real industry. I think like the show that I appreciated the most was The Beer. I feel like that is the most real depiction of what the kitchen experience really is. There's this one scene in the last season where the chef is on the path and the, the other chef is over his shoulder and he's yelling at him. I'm like, oh, my God. If you talk to anybody from the restaurant business, they will tell you that they have had emotional or they can't actually watch the bear or they've had some sort of emotional experience to seeing their life played out like that. But I remember clearly plates being pelted me and a chef talking over my shoulder. I mean, it's a, you know, it's pretty it's, brutal. It's become real glamorized looking at it on television. We have glamorized the profession because wow. that ain't what it was. Well, you went from the frying pan into the fire, so to say, going from fashion where people yell at you a lot during fashion week into the restaurant. Hence the reason why I decided to go in this direction. I'm like, if I'm going to be abused, let me be abused doing something I love, you know? Yeah. So hence the reason my change. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. That's fabulous. So what is your favorite thing to cook? If you were to come over, like last weekend I had guests over and I made a chicken tagine. I would want to do something with like a lot of expressive flavors. And I love incorporating a lot of spices. So that had cinnamon and ginger. Or I love cooking African food as well. And Caribbean food, obviously, because of anything that has a lot of seasonings in it. Well, I want the invite to the next one of those. I don't know Most about you, that. Carl. <laughs> I'm always there. <laughs> Well, I guess living in North Carolina, I got to get the call early so I can fly up. Well, yes. I can come down to you. You don't have to always come up. We would love that. Yes. Fabulous. So speaking about chefs, there are so many fabulous and wonderful chefs out there like yourself. If there was to be one that you would love to work with and collaborate with, who would that be and why? Oh, that's an excellent question. When I got to work with Marco Samuelson, when he became the youngest three-star chef in America, and he was 25 back in 19... I'm dating myself. Um, uh, um, That was such a great experience because he was young and fresh and his dishes were complicated. So by the time I went to work at John George, he really taught me how to make dishes simple, that it wasn't that complicated, you know, and how to get great flavor out of food without complication. So currently, who inspires me? Believe it or not, my kids. Wow. Um, my kid, my daughter and my son, and they both have such different skills in the kitchen. Chloe is all about it's got to be pretty before I eat it. Yeah. So she oh. is all about aesthetics and the things that she comes up with and fashion for food. Yes. For food. She just she just makes like the best combinations of things and she really inspires me. And so does Alex. He, you know, from a male perspective on how he cooks because it's about efficiency for him. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and she would write, you know, when he's excited about a dish that he just prepared and she would say, but you could have played it better. Wow. Oh, that's great. <laughs> She's there with the sauces, decorating. But I love how Arlene is so humble as you just throw out Marcus Samuelson and Jean-Georges as if 
as if everyone <laughs> gets to do that. That's amazing, your journey, and you've gotten to work with some of the great chefs and great places in the world. I'm, I am very grateful for the opportunities that I've had. And a lot of it just came from asking. As a matter of fact, it was in the newspaper when Marcus and someone, two people in one day showed me the article in the New York Times. And I just called him up and I asked him if he'll take me on as an apprentice. And we had an interview. And a lot of times it just really shows you when you put the effort out there and just make that call, the most people can ever say to you is no. So make the call. And they might say yes. Exactly. Exactly. My husband always says, ask questions. Exactly. And that's what I truly believe in. I might be making some calls this afternoon, see if anybody <laughs> wants me to go to another fashion show in the fall. Or just ask if you can get another Chanel back. Oh. <laughs> or call a restaurant and say, I'm dying to come eat there. Yes. There you go. Exactly. So Chef Arlene, you spoke about you becoming an apprentice and now you are an amazing chef on your own. Do you have advice for our listeners who are just starting their career in the world of food and cuisine on what it takes to become successful and to understudy under someone and to really grow to become great? Uh, Time. Mm. Takes time. It's not an overnight thing. And I really, really want to stress on that. In order for you to master any craft, Mm -hmm. you need to put the time in. And it takes a long period of time. There was this one restaurant that I wanted to work in next if I had stayed on the restaurant track called La Bernadette. And to go through that kitchen, it takes you two years. So I think anybody who's starting off, you need to be gracious to yourself that you're not going to move through the ranks. You're not just going to become the executive chef or the chef de cuisine overnight. No matter how great you think you are, you need to pay the dues. Right. So I think if you were to find a chef that's doing the style of food that you like, I think you can call them up and ask them, work for free. There's a lot of staging, which is like you just putting in the time, making the time to work for free, just getting those skills in there. I think that's a good way to start to see if it's something that you really like. Yeah, I think that's just smart information and wisdom for anyone starting in any industry. We live in such a fast-paced world, world full of information, and you have Instagram and Thisgram, and people see success, but they don't see the process. You're exactly right. And I struggle with that with my children to make them see that you have to do the things that are not as fun to start with, washing dishes, learning the process before you can Wear the coat with your name on it, right? Peels those potatoes. Peel those potatoes. (laughs) Peel those potatoes. You know, but you want to put in the work and it's a very physical job. I mean, no matter where you stand. And the business has grown so much. There's so many things you can do now from being a blogger where you're just writing, you know, and you can test on yourself on the side, you know, different recipes and things like that. So I really believe that the industry's changed. I remember when I was coming up in the business, there weren't many women on the line as line Mm. cooks. And that part of the business has changed so much because we weren't thought to be as strong as the guys were to carry 40 pounds of bones or whatever it is you needed for roasting. And it is a very physical position. But now there are so many different positions in the kitchen. So you can find your space. Awesome. You just talked about roasting. I want to roast my co-host. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> what is your expert dish that you cook? This is a roast question. I love you, honey. But That is I, a roast. Because, you know, I'm all about getting stuff in. If it takes me more than 30 minutes, <laughs> see, I have to be done. I do have one dish I make, but Arlene, I'm going to horrify her because I use packaged puff pastry. That's okay. (laughs) And you take 
some package puff pastry, uh-huh. roll it out, mm-hmm. put some onion and chive cream cheese, uh-huh. put a nice piece of salmon in there, throw some asparagus on top, roll it up, bake it. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I, I forgot. Put some dill on there, too. Some dill. And then bake it. And people think that you spent a long time in the kitchen. That sounds very fancy. It looks fancy, and it's mm-hmm. not. It is. So That's... everyone who's had that dish from Jamie just <laughs> no. But I think that's how you would. That's how you would make. That sounds excellent. Well, thank you. And do you like brush the top with a little egg wash? A little egg wash, yeah. or sometimes if I'm feeling really fancy, I get some craft creamy Italian salad dressing and spread that <laughs> oh on top and bake it in. <laughs> and the seasonings are amazing. Wow, that sounds great. I no, might just have to copy that. Well, no one's lining up to hire me to cook for them, but nonetheless, it works. And spritzes, we will post that recipe on our Instagram. <laughs> and you know, Arlene, one of the things that I found, because we live in such a fast-paced world and we have DoorDash and people go in different directions, I feel like there's something unifying when you're all eating the same meal. Yeah. Most definitely. I think that's just really great family time and we can just talk. And actually, when I put together a menu for the family, I do think about that in my job. I do think that make sure that there is something for everyone, or even if I'm putting together a dinner party, I do think make sure that there's something for everyone. So when you're cooking for a private family, you have to take all of their likes and dislikes in account? Oh, most definitely. You know, from the person who don't want all of their food touching one another to the person who just doesn't like zucchini. And you're like, but everybody else likes it. But if I make it into a soup, you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You know, when I grew up, my mom put the food out and that's what you ate or you didn't eat at all. That's my house, too, as well. I'm definitely this is what we're having and this is what we're having. And I think that's really I mean, I don't want to say it's poor judgment, but I just really think that we give kids too many choices. I'm like, look, you're lucky you're getting food and you're lucky that I came home from work and cooked you something. You sound like me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thank you for endorsing that because my children hear that all the time. So, Arlene, I know that February is Women's Heart Health Awareness Month. Yes, it is. And that is something that's actually really close to my heart. I, last summer, got four stents in. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And I found out about it in such a curious way because I'm a big hiker and also work out a lot. And I was hiking and realized that my fingertips were cold. And I'm like, okay, so I go to the doctor and I was just like, it's nothing. Went through this whole process of doing all the things that you do for cardio health. My heart was beating fine. Doctors like, you're just probably stressed. So five years later, I realized that my breathing is changing. So I spoke to my trainer and I said, train me like an athlete. And I'm working out harder and harder and I keep pushing myself. But I realized that it's becoming harder for me to do simple things, to walk. I can't walk as fast as I was walking. And Everything is just taking me such a longer space and time. So I go back to my doctor again and he runs a test and he says, your EKG is fine. And I'm like, okay. I go back to him again, maybe a month later. And I said, something is wrong. And he's like, okay, let's start with a cardiologist first and then we'll go to a neurologist. And I go to a cardiologist, this younger woman, and she says, oh, do you know that you've had a blockage? And I'm like, what? Wow. And she said, you've had one for five years. And they found out that I had like all these blockages and one of them was like 99%, 98%. Wow. So I ended up getting two stents and then two weeks later having another two stents. And I was really quite surprised by it because as I said, I eat well, I'm working out and 
come to find out it's a genetics. Right. And but that's about listening to your body and knowing the things that are right for you and keep asking questions even if you're told you're okay. Exactly, because it's the number one killer of women and definitely one of the big killers of women of color. And if we aren't aggressive, if I was not as aggressive as I was with my health care provider, I would not have known. I could have had a stroke at any moment, a heart attack, anything like that. We are our best doctors. And I do think that when you feel that thing, don't ignore it. Thank you for that. My pleasure. Well, I consider you an amazing chef, but also an amazing fashionista. You have such a great eye and you curate your look in a way that is just so pleasing to the eye. You're like a walking magazine down the street. Like I was walking with her on the street one day and this lady, she just literally stopped and she said, I love all of this. And she just made this invisible circle around Arlene. And I just thought that was so fabulous. So I want to know, who are your favorite designers and why? Uh, let's take a step back to what you were saying when you talked about <laughs> eye. Yeah, my eye doesn't match my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Who's does, Arlene? No. Who's does? <laughs> Who inspires me? I think it all depends on my mood. I love Marnie. I love Prada because I like structure. Mm-hmm. And I love textures, so I love Max as well. Right now they have these beautiful, flowy, wide-legged pants in the window on Madison Avenue, and I'm just kind of like... Yeah, we love Max Mara. Yes, we do. (laughs) We do. I was actually driving across town one day, and I saw this bag in the window of the store, and I literally reversed on 65th Street. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Fashion emergency, fashion emergency. It really was. I'm like, what is that? Wow. Did Did you buy it? Of course I did. Oh, my goodness. I called. I was in the car and I called and I'm like, I see something in the window. How much is that pretty in the window? (laughs) I wonder if it's for sale. And I describe it and I was like, okay, can you just like put it aside for me, please? And I'm like, okay, maybe I don't eat for a couple of days or weeks or months. But I love in now my eye is caught not necessarily in clothes, but table setting. I'm addicted Mm -hmm. to glassware. If I can't have it, if I don't have the space for it, I buy it for someone because I think when I go to your place, I'll see it. Wow. Well, you can buy some for me anytime you want. (laughs) I love a beautiful centerpiece, whether it's flowers or fruit or whatever you put in the center of the table. I give room to for my guests and the color that they bring to the table as well. But Mm. I definitely love, oh, again, as I mentioned, since I was in North Carolina, I went to the farmer's market and there was this one vendor who sold like really beautiful woodwork. Yes. And he had this cutting board and he had, there was some um, pieces from the particular type of wood from South Africa and things like that in it. And I think like that adding so much texture to a table and not just to the table, to wherever you decide to have dinner on the floor and make a picnic one night. Because I love indoor picnics. Why do I feel bad after this? You make me seem like I have to step it up. No. Well, that's because you've got the paper napkins that come in the cellophane pack. I got to step my game up. Yeah, I think people are so interesting how they, I mean, you're, you're washing your sheets and you're washing your towels. So you can use a cloth napkin at the table. It takes nothing for you to just add that extra texture to your table. Everyone throw away your paper towels. Well, it's not really great on the environment. (laughs) That's right. You know, so if you look at it in that context that we're helping, we're doing this one little piece to save the earth. Yeah. So no paper towels and no toilet tissue. (laughs) (laughs) 
If you get to the Middle East, you know you can take there. You can use a traditional bathroom, and there's water on the side. We have been so fortunate today, spritzers, to have Chef Arlene Stewart with us. And Chef Arlene, where can they find you? On my IG, it's Chef Arlene Stewart. Also, I have another account called Cooking and Dishing. Not paying much attention to it, but it's for one of my upcoming projects. Oh, fantastic. Will you have pictures of your table settings on there? Now I will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, our last segment of our show, Chef Arlene, is the runway takeaway. So my question for you is if you have a big event coming up and you don't want to look puffy or you are worried about maybe fitting in the dress with a little water weight, are there any foods that you should avoid or that any foods you should enjoy? It's funny that you would ask what food, because instantly I thought, what would I wear besides a tummy control? <laughs> so like, oh Shout my, out to Spanx. You know, or, or anything that is tummy control. Body Works is the brand I like. I think it holds you in much better. Dr. Curry says, just drink. <laughs> An espresso martini will fill you up. A nice margarita will fill you up. But they no- have sugar. Yeah, right. And she said bloatiness. And I, especially as a woman, if we're putting on a dress for an event and she's, you're thinking, I mean, if you know your body, you know what you eat and how it makes you feel like, you know, certain things would probably make your stomach rounder or much more narrow. So I think it really depends on you paying attention to yourself. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for the amazing insight on what we should and should not eat. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today for The Spritz with Carl and Jamie, a production of Hanger Studios. You can follow us on Instagram at The Spritz Pod, on Facebook at The Spritz, and you can find this amazing Spritzy Ritzy podcast on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you may find your podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us. Thank you, guys. 